2: So he's one of the smartest people I know. And especially when it comes to indie publishing that she really knows her stuff and she has a new book called yes. Romancing yes. Your Goals. And we had her on to chat about it.
1: Yeah. So we talked about goals, but lots of other stuff too. She has a secret pen name and we mm-hmm. talked about why she kept it secret mm-hmm. and how that's going. And um, we also talked about TikTok a lot, mm-hmm. lots of, and she's really good at like, Planning and strategizing to figure out how to take your career kind of to the next level. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. we talked about it series 2.0, and it was really good. Lots of good stuff in this interview.
2: And iterating your goals to get to that next level, which I found really interesting.
1: Yeah. So, what's been going on with you this week? Well, this week I have actually been doing some writing, Mm -hmm. I'm doing some just kind of cleanup admin stuff Mm -hmm. that just has to be done. Yeah. yeah. I've had a couple of um, events online with writers groups and that's been fun. Sisters mm-hmm. in crime event that I did. That fun. And yeah. we, there were uh, there was a librarian on the panel and a um, book reviewer on the panel. And that was fun. And it was yeah. interesting to hear their perspective. Right. And it was interesting because the librarian said they are very interested. He said, most librarians are very interested in programs. And if you're willing to come in and do an event Most Mm -hmm. of the time, he said librarians are going to be very interested in that. And maybe that might be a better way to approach libraries than, hey, will you buy my book? Like You you offer to host a program and not necessarily about writing, but maybe Mm -hmm. about something related. Like if you have, like for me, I can do something about historical mystery Mm -hmm. or historical Mm -hmm. time period. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can find some other thing to draw people in besides this is how you write a book
2: oh wow, that's so interesting that's very interesting well um what about you what have you been doing well um people can't see but I have a brace on my thumb um when I was in Italy I fell because you know I'm old (laughs) uh it was so embarrassing and um in the middle of Florence I my suitcase got hung up on the curb and then swung around oh, in front no. of me and tripped me and it was, uh, anyway. So, um, I thought I had just sprained it or something, but mm-hmm. I it wasn't getting better. And I went to the doctor and I've t- torn a ligament. So I'm, I've am oh, no. got this brace and it makes it, it makes writing really hard. Um, I have to pick a little bit, but I've been trying to do that. And then, um, uh, doing some admin stuff, looking at ads, you know, and mm-hmm. then, last night I got to go see a sneak peek of lost city, the Sandra Bullock <laughs> Channing Tatum yeah. uh, rom-com y'all. It's so funny. It's funny. It's silly, but it's got just the right amount of silliness. And um it's just, well, I just thought it was well done. I mean, as a romance author, she's a romance author yeah. in the, in the uh, movie. And, I just loved it. And the people in the theater loved it. We all laughed at the right places. And so, yeah, that's always
1: good. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was really good. So, well, I saw the preview
1: for that and I thought for just a second when it started, I thought they're remaking Romancing the stone Mm -hmm. because do you remember how it starts out. She's the writer and everything. And I was like, Oh, that I would be up for that. I would be up for a remake of Romancing the stone, but I'm also up for something new that doesn't, that's not derivative. From right. like an '80s movie that's been remade, right? So. I know, and That's
2: the truth. Well, I mean, it it is in the jungle, but that's kind of the that's kind of where it starts and stops as far as okay. the similarities. Uh, it, it really is very funny, very cute. Channing Tatum was hilarious. Um, I always think Sandra Bullock's funny, but and then yeah. Brad Pitt is in it. He is equally funny, but he he's kind of in and out of it. It's okay. mostly Channing Tatum and. Um, okay. Cinder Bullock and then Daniel Ratcliffe is in it too and he was the villain and really funny in that too so okay yeah.
1: well good all right well I have my entertainment set for this weekend yeah. then. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly well we should probably get on with, yes. the interview with Zoe because it's super good and you guys are gonna love
1: it yes all right so here's Zoe okay well we are really excited to welcome back Zoe York to the podcast this week hi Zoe how are you Hi, thanks for having me back.
2: Oh, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad we were just talking. Zoe's just one of the smartest people I know, excuse me. And I'm always happy to hear her talk and explain stuff. And so I'm excited.
1: Yeah. So let me read her bio and we'll get started. Zoe York is a 13-time USA Today best-selling author of contemporary romance, often with military heroes, and always with scorching heat between the pages. Between her two pen names, she also writes erotic romance as Ainsley Booth. She has published more than 50 books since her debut in 2013, What Once Was Perfect. Mm. So yeah, so we are really excited so, to talk to you today.
2: Tell us what's happened since you were on the podcast last year because
0: you were
1: yeah. on in January last year. I mean, January it 2021.
2: It oh, yeah. feels
0: like more than a year, doesn't it? I thought <laughs> it was, <laughs> time is such a funny thing at the moment. Um, Well, since I was on last, I've published another nonfiction book, which I think for now will be my last nonfiction book. Okay. So that was a really fun project, but it you know there's always a trade-off of what Mm -hmm. you're writing and I'm excited to get back to writing more fiction Mm -hmm. um I have so I've I published a 3rd nonfiction book I started a secret pen name Mm -hmm. so I actually my bio I only named two pen names but I now have a third pen name which is actually my fifth pen name and we can talk about that I have (laughs) two that are like dormant um (laughs) and um and I've written more books. That's, oh, that's what great. I've been doing. I mean, I think like a lot of people, I've just kind of been hunkering down and trying to keep up my you know, productivity the best I can. Mm-hmm.
1: That's yeah. That's great. Go ahead, Sarah. I was going to say, well, let's, let's talk about the secret pen name and kind of the story behind that. Not revealing the, the pen name, but like why you started another pen name and how that's going and how you're yeah. balancing it all. So
0: this came up um, last spring. So not long after I was on the podcast last, I have been in a real rut with my second pending with Ainsley. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, Before the pandemic started, I came up with a new series idea that just wasn't, it didn't quite click. It didn't click for me. It didn't Mm -hmm. click for the readers. I think that that's something which a lot of writers have experienced. It's a very frustrating experience when the, what you envision in your head is not what mm-hmm. manifests on the page.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and I, I, I have this exercise that I do in workshops with, with readers, which is like, t- take a look at your catalog, write down all the books that you have written on a single piece of paper and try to organize them, figure out where they're connected, where they're not connected, how you would group them. If you could rebrand, it, you know, similar books together, how would you do that? I call it a catalog assessment. And I did a catalog assessment on myself, on my Mm -hmm. alter ego, Ainsley Booth. And I realized that I didn't have a single series 2.0, which is a thing that I talk about. The thing Mm -hmm. that really elevated my career as Zoe York, Mm -hmm. I do not have as Ainsley Booth. And um, of course, it's not just like you can't just snap your fingers and be like, okay, brain, get a new idea. Let's (laughs) hop to it. It takes some time to percolate. Um, So I have spent the last year putting Ainsley in a, you know, kind of a form of hiatus, a stasis, like go into your thinking tube and come out with a better idea. Mm -hmm. And something that I realized as soon as I made that decision was that I missed her. I missed having that, different output for my ideas at many times over the course of my career I've been writing genre fiction since 2011 um, published since 2013 my best work as Zoe York has been when I'm also very in a productive way producing stuff as Ainsley Booth Huh. and i have struggled the most as zoe when i'm only zoe and my work gets a little bit weird a little bit more erotic than i kind of want zoe to be mm-hmm. it's just ainsley was a pressure valve of course mm-hmm. i don't i didn't know that at the time it's only something that i've realized in the last year and only when i consciously put her on hiatus and Of course, I can't, she comes loaded with reader expectations. There's this one very popular series that remains unfinished. Readers only want that book. Mm -hmm. So I can't just be like, well, here's something new. I mean, Mm -hmm. I tried that and it didn't work. So uh, what else can I do? And I was really um, captivated by these kind of, crack short Insta-love stories that are really popular in Kindle Unlimited. Mm-hmm. I was reading a lot of them. They were really nice palate cleansers in between kind of bigger books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got an idea to write one of those. And I mean, they're not new, right? Mm-hmm. Like writing mm-hmm. short, smutty stuff in Kindle Unlimited is not a new idea. No. no, But at no point prior to this past year did it did I have an idea for that. Mm-hmm. So when this idea came to me, I thought, Oh, oh, that could be my new pressure valve. You know that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that could be my new temporary Ainsley. Not Ainsley's not going away forever, but just this could be a thing that I do. And I wrote the first book really quickly, um, and it was exactly the same. Uh, it gave Zoe the same boost that um, that Ainsley did. So that's how the that's how the hmm. pen came Wow, to be that's awesome. And once I wrote that first story, then it was like oh oh i ha- I think I have a, a thing here. I think I have a brand here. How do I want to do it? Do I want mm-hmm. her to be an open secret the same way Ainsley is? Mm-hmm. and I decided not. I decided that she would be a a closed secret that she would just be her own thing separate from Zoe mm-hmm. and Ainsley and um and it's been a lot of fun. That's great. And how long are they? um they're they vary in length a little bit because. Uh, sometimes so one of the things that is quite popular are doing like collaborations where Mm -hmm. you write one book in a a series where other people write the other books yeah yeah. and sometimes those collaborations come uh, with length requirements so Mm -hmm. I've written a couple of those at varying lengths like 15,000 words 18,000 words Mm -hmm. Um, but the ones that I'm writing that I'm solely publishing are 30,000 words that's kind of I I have like a whole bunch of reasons why that's what I prefer as a reader. I like Mm -hmm. the slightly longer, the really satisfying, Mm -hmm. like it's an insta love short, but like when other books would end at like the 20,000 word mark, we Mm -hmm. get a couple more scenes. That's kind of my goal to kind of over deliver. That's good.
2: No, I have no doubt that you, you did it for a reason because (laughs) you always have a reason. And I think that's awesome. That's fantastic though. So, uh, When you say a series 2.0, what exactly are you talking about for our listeners?
0: Yeah. So series 2.0 is um, really consciously taking an idea that you liked and readers liked Mm -hmm. and doing it again. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes it means um, expanding a series. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it means taking the concept of a series, but changing the premise to be tighter mm-hmm. to a genre. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's set in the same universe. Often it's set in the same universe, but not always. The, the first time I became aware of this um, phenomenon in publishing was when I read the Virgin River series
2: mm-hmm. uh, by
0: Robin Carr. Mm-hmm. And I was, I don't know how many books in. And she mentions a town called Gold Valley. Mm-hmm. Um and I was like oh that it comes up enough in this one book mm-hmm. that I'm like I think that's probably a book you know like when when mm-hmm. some when an author first name yeah. last names a character yeah. and you're like they yeah. have a book this yeah. town was like first name last names yeah like, I was like this town has books yeah and I went and and looked them up sure enough she published a trilogy set mm-hmm. in gold valley which is mm-hmm. in the same humboldt county area of northern california mm-hmm. um with the characters that are mentioned in virgin river like there's a doctor over there mm-hmm. um and it was only a trilogy and you know i don't know anything i don't know robin carr personally i did meet her once at a conference and then burst into tears <laughs> <a super> fan. <laughs> so I've i don't I'm just yeah. <laughs> I'm just guessing here. But I think what happened was she wrote that trilogy for Harlequin and it did okay. It didn't do anything special. And so that was the end of that. And they said, give us something different. Mm -hmm. And instead of completely reinventing the wheel, she went, Oh, but I love writing about Humboldt County. Mm -hmm. I love that setting. Mm -hmm. So let's just like go over the hill away from gold Valley. And what's up this mountain? Oh, Mm -hmm. There's a tiny town there called Virgin River. And instead of a doctor, a male doctor, being the the center of the story, mm-hmm. it's going to be a midwife, a, a woman who comes from the city and meets a man. And mm-hmm. he's going to be absolutely perfect. And, oh, let's make him a former Marine. Mm-hmm. And instead of being another trilogy for Harlequin, that turned into a 20-book series that mm-hmm. is now a Netflix show. Yeah. So, yeah. It's exactly the same. The books are the same, but they're tweaked. They're tighter.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: the The hero is elevated to you know the military protagonist that readers love. Mm-hmm. Um, the instead of being a doctor, the midwife. I don't know. Like who knows what tweaks? Yeah, made it so that it clicked. But it's the same premise, redone. Mm-hmm. over and over again. until And so some people, I saw um Alana Johnson, who mm-hmm. is the really um, open and, and sharing author. She recently talked about this in her own Facebook group that she has for authors. Mm-hmm. She talked about how it was her like eighth or ninth series wow. that suddenly something clicked. So like, I don't want to be like, you know, if you have a series and you really like the idea, if you do that same series concept again, it'll mm-hmm. click on the second take. It might take multiple takes but it's that idea of not pivoting away from an idea but Mm -hmm. taking the idea pivoting only a little tiny bit Mm -hmm. and refining the premise Mm -hmm. and if you refine the premise and then you can test in the market so if you pivot to a whole new different idea what you are essentially doing over and over and over again is series 1.0 right a trial balloon, a test into the market. Mm-hmm. And the data is always going to be um, like first round data. Right. If you do a series 2.0 and test that in the market, mm-hmm. then you're going to have more data that you can layer on top of the first set of data. Mm-hmm. And that will tell you whether or not you're heading in the right direction, which pieces are resonating and which pieces are not. There's right. nothing about that that is a very, like it's not a quick fix to anything. No. It's kind of like a long-term strategy that gets you pointed in the direction of where you want to go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's great.
0: That's really great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're not necessarily saying that the characters have to be overlapping from one series to the other, that you just take that kind of nugget of idea, the concept Mm -hmm. and use it and kind of boil it down change yeah. it some way yeah
0: yeah and if you have characters that lend themselves like for example the doctor in gold mm-hmm. valley makes an appearance in virgin river that's lovely fan service but yes. it's certainly mm-hmm. necessary mm-hmm. and the one caution i would give i think in a youtube video i i make a point um to say series 2.0 is not a sequel you mm-hmm. are not taking the same cast and just carrying them forward into more books right. because that makes Um, what you are thinking is series 2.0, inaccessible to new readers. Mm -hmm. Um, The series 2.0, the first book in series 2.0 needs to be a catalog entry point. So while carrying some cast forward can be Mm -hmm. lovely fan service and you want that fan service to your existing readers, Mm -hmm. the goal of series 2.0 is that book one finds you new readers because the idea itself is solid. And so you're going to have a new book one. You're starting That's, over again, just the yeah. same idea.
2: Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's great. I know our listeners will really appreciate you explaining that because I did. <laughs> so um, so you have a series of books that are for authors. So why why write this? Why write nonfiction for authors when you clearly have your hands full? oh <laughs> um, you also have two chil- two children is that two right? children
0: yeah two, two boys two, yeah,
2: yeah a, two boys on top a of teenager that teenager
0: yeah. and, and a preteen oh good gosh um, yeah no they are great they are super that's supportive awesome. they they're at this sweet age where they're like mom's work is important let's let her work that oh, probably great. won't last yeah. for long but it's, it's good <laughs> um in part because I like to talk about publishing, mm-hmm. but I don't want to run a course or mm-hmm. I, I'm not great at responding to emails or DMs. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a flood of them sometimes, sometimes not, like sometimes it's crickets. Um, but, you know, it's always comes in waves. Anytime mm-hmm. if I go on a podcast, then people right. will message me afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to say, here's a book that I wrote rather mm-hmm. than answering questions individually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the first book, actually, the content came from a course I tried to run once mm-hmm. and before I realized, I mean, hat is off to anyone who runs a course. Yeah. I do yeah. not have the, I don't have the energy for mm-hmm. that. I don't have the patience for that. Um, I'm deeply impressed. My relationship yeah. to courses going forward is solely as someone who takes them, not someone mm-hmm. who teaches them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that that content was actually written back in 2016 and then in 2019 I I pulled it out of the trunk and I put it into Vellum which is you know book formatting mm-hmm. software and I was shocked to realize I had a 100 page book for oh, just wow. from the course material. Yeah. So the first book was written years ago. And then the second book was written mostly um, it was a it, it was a compilation of a couple of different rwa presentations that i gave um a workshop series that i wrote um for in-person presentations like i had notes for that Mm -hmm. and then some tweet threads and some blog posts and that all pulled together to be like let's add to the first book so the third book the one that i just released um, which is called romance your goals that's the first book that i actually completely wrote from scratch as mm. a nonfiction book, right. which was much harder than I thought. So like, I mean, I will <laughs> definitely say, that, <laughs> I mean, I wrote the first two almost by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's much harder to write nonfiction than mm-hmm. I think. So that's why I say that it's also my last nonfiction mm-hmm. book. because it's, um, yeah. it's hard. It is. It's, it's hard to pick one topic, keep it focused. And most importantly, like figure out how to make content that is going to stay evergreen enough to be worthy of on mm-hmm. being on a shelf, right? Yeah. As opposed yeah. to yeah. if we're on a podcast, these, you know, what I say now is clearly time stamped. Mm-hmm. In a right. book, it's not that clear.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the let's give the names of the books. So the first one was romance your brand, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next one was romance your plan. plan. Is that right? A okay. yeah. plan. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and this then the third one is your romance your goals. Yeah. 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 So so do you think um, authors, fiction authors, it's a good thing to try and uh, do nonfiction at the same time? I mean, would you recommend that?
0: I would. I think for one thing. you know, sales on nonfiction books are never sexy. It's rare that a nonfiction book is going to, like, for example, spike into the, yeah. of the Amazon top 100 yeah. or anything yeah. like that. Right, right. Um, but but they're nice and steady. Mm-hmm. There is always a hungry audience for writing advice. And I my favorite type of nonfiction book, I think there's a sweet spot, at books that are about like 100 to 150 pages, somewhere between 20 and th- Thirty thousand words that are focused on one bit of writing advice, mm-hmm. one takeaway. Mm-hmm. The I have some big writing uh, advice books, and they're overwhelming. You know, mm-hmm. I often read them in chapter chunks. Mm-hmm. Um, the paperback is hard to shove in a it's hard to shove in a purse. Mm-hmm. So I really like little books. Um, they they're light and easy to hold in my hand. They are focused. um, Mm -hmm. So if I, you know, I want to know about, for for me, for example, I'm talking to writers about writing, not writing craft, but more business craft. If you want to know just about marketing, then you can read Brummi, your plan. And it's really focused to that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of built on a foundation of like my philosophy around book marketing first. Mm -hmm. And then there's some like a couple of clear active takeaways. That was how I constructed the book. And I think that a lot of people don't realize how short they are actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I just said it, they are really hard to write but <laughs> but, and they are, but only in that refinement, only yes. in the revision of it. They are, they don't take the same length of time to take um, as a full length novel, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also something that you can work on slowly. Mm-hmm. And then if there is a, you know, an opportunity for you to give a workshop at a conference, or go on a podcast, mm-hmm. or you're just going to have a lull in between fiction releases. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big conversation. It's a never-ending conversation. Mm-hmm. It is an evergreen market. So anybody who has, if you have a workshop that you have previously done, that you're like, hey, wonder if I could turn that into a nonfiction book. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that is a genius idea. I think more mm-hmm. people should do it. It's a little another. Uh, Another leg on your income school. That's yeah. another yeah. way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Another stream of income. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think didn't...
0: for me it would be so hard
2: to like narrow down because I just, you know, yeah. I want everybody to know everything. And then, you <laughs> know, it's like oh you gotta
1: yeah. But yeah. then that means you could have a series well <laughs> of nonfiction so... books.
2: I guess that's start.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what I didn't understand with nonfiction, when I wrote my, f- I did um, how to outline a cozy mystery. And I thought, oh, this is way too short. Cause in my brain, I wanted, you know, I thought that it had to be like a tome, a reference tome <laughs> and, and it wasn't long enough. I was like, it's not long enough. And so when I pub- I published it as a workbook and looking back now, it could have been, cause I, you know, I included white space for people to put you know, there are thoughts and ideas, but it could have just been a book. It didn't book. have to be a workbook. Yeah. And so, you know, that was a mistake I made with nonfiction. So it's, they don't have to be, you know, 300 pages.
0: They is- do not. Yeah. <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite writing craft books is a book called um, um, writing from the middle by James mm. Scott Bell. Mm-hmm. And it's only a hundred pages, I think. Oh, wow in paperback it's a little book Mm -hmm. and it is so accessible Mm -hmm. and so many writing books are not accessible Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. too much where do I get started it you know yeah
1: yeah well a lot of them are long and it's like they tell you what they're going to tell you they tell you about what they're going to tell you and (laughs) you know like chapter 15 we finally get to the meat of it you know so (laughs) I appreciate shorter ones
0: another really good short one is romancing the beat Yes. 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 And so useful, you know. So you useful. Yeah. There's nothing extraneous in that book at all. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful Mm-mm. resource.
2: Well, and then on top of like doing what she said, she then gives you an example of a novella that she wrote at the end of that. But I mean, you know, it's like you not only get the practical advice, you get an example. And I just okay. thought that I think that's so. Great. I also uh, build a book by Erica Kelly. It's really tiny. Y'all can see. Yeah. It's, it's great because it's like, this is what you do at the midpoint. This is the conflict. This is, you know, and it's really useful. So I think
1: that I think you're right. I think little yeah. books
2: that get right to the point are very, very useful when it yeah. comes yeah.
1: to perfection. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Romance Your Goals. Let's yes. get more specific. So, when you were on the podcast last time, we did talk about goal setting, but um, so tell us. We want to go more in depth this time. So, tell us, you know, about the book and kind of um, why you wrote this book now for authors.
0: Yeah. So, I think it was on the podcast last time after I had a uh, after I gave a, a presentation at Ram about. Uh, With the same title, Romance Mm -hmm. Your Goals and Goal Setting. Um, And so this book is really an expansion on that. I took the framework of what I um, talked about at RAM. And one of the things about that presentation was, um, and I think that your listeners are well familiar, RAM, Romance Author Mastermind, is um, like a next level conference for people who are into their career as romance Mm -hmm. authors. But the the market for the nonfiction writing books is often people who are starting out. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I wanted to do in the book was um, just acknowledge that a lot of goal setting advice for authors skips those early stages of, but like, how do you get started? Mm -hmm. Um, What if you don't have any money? I have a chapter, a short chapter in the book on, um, the hustle and the baby steps that are sometimes required before you can even do things like invest in better covers and better mm-hmm. editing, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, so, you know, what are those initial steps? And then also just how often I revise my plan. So the other thing that I added to the book um, were some case studies. Mm-hmm. Well, I, one, and one of the case studies is in fact that um, at that catalog assessment that I talked about my realization mm-hmm. that Ainsley didn't have a series 2.0 mm-hmm. that so much of goal setting is not just about picking what you want to do and, and aiming in that direction but taking stock of what have you actually done where are you actually standing because sometimes it's not what you think mm-hmm. that was that was a huge realization for me and one that came after, we talked last time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's
2: great. What tools do you use for goal setting?
0: Um, So I'm a big fan of Sarah Cannon's HB90 Mm -hmm. quarterly planning Mm -hmm. system. Huge fan. I've been doing that now for six quarters. I started Mm -hmm. it, I heard about it at RAM. Mm -hmm. And then that was the first one that I took. So would have been January, like Q1 2021 was the first time I took HB90. And that has That has remained useful. And I have ADHD. Um, Sticking with the system is not my forte. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I've stuck with that for six quarters is remarkable. Mm -hmm. Um, I really love that um, she uses some universal tools like an Eisenhower matrix, but Mm -hmm. makes it specific to writing. Right. Um, Chunking up your to do list. Um, So in HB90, she guides you through. Um, breaking down your to-do list into need to do, should do, and want to do the Mm -hmm. should do's of course, anything that's on your, I feel like I should do this. Those Mm -hmm. are the external voices that we are so susceptible to other people's Mm -hmm. goals and priorities slipping Mm -hmm. onto our to-do list.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: I, I need that reminder quarterly. Mm -hmm. So that is, that is definitely, um, one of the tools that I use, and um, the long-term vision. So the question that I ask, and it's not just in Romance Your Goals. I also ask this question. I talk about it in Romance Your Brand as well. But that question of five years from now, what do I want to have written? Mm. What do I want to be known for?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if for, for some people, that is a very hard question to answer, mm-hmm. first of all. Mm-hmm. So just spending some time with if- when you ask yourself that question, if you cannot answer it yet, um, why not? Are there those external voices or internal negative self-talk mm-hmm. telling you that you're not worthy of whatever that secret goal is, right? Like sometimes we can feel it um, inside and it's just like nervous excitement. It's, there's this like tremor of, there's a thing that I want, but I do not dare say it out loud. Yeah. So really taking the time and finding some peace and some stillness to, um, to actually say it out loud or even mm. write it down. Mm. Um, and then once you have that answer five years from now, what do I want to have written? What do I want to be known for? Then taking stock of is what I am doing right now pointing in that direction. Mm. So, it's kind of a two-part thing. And um, Sarah does this in HB90. She has you kind of do a vision board. um, And I am more of a word person than, uh, than an aesthetic person, but I really enjoyed the vision board exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, So you do that, you know, kind of vision board and then figure out for the next quarter, what gets you moving in the direction of that vision board and her, you know, her focus is on the quarter. For mm-hmm. me, and in romance, your plan, I talk about it um, as a year. So, in, in romance, your brand and romance, your goals, I talk about that five-year question, and then in romance, your plan, I talk about how to break that up for, or, or like, spend the next year mm-hmm. working in that direction in a sustainable way. So, yeah. once we know where we want to go, mm-hmm. and we have figured out which parts of what we're currently working on point in that direction or not then there can be an instinct to go right let's fix everything which of course that's a recipe for burnout right right right. so we're not gonna we're not gonna do it all in the next month but we could do a lot of that work um in the next year Mm -hmm. one of the things about goals is that um if you are and this comes from like corporate speak but Mm -hmm. if you are picking a big big enough and hairy enough goal that it should not be attainable within a year Mm -hmm. if you are constantly picking goals that are attainable within a quarter or a year Mm -hmm. um then you then you might need to go back to that stillness and figure out you know what is that like what's underneath those because those goals are really like always achievable goals Mm -hmm. are not like the big hairy goal they're Mm -hmm. the that they're what we grab on to because we can do them but underneath that there is often something that's really scary mm-hmm. and if we are honest about what that is then suddenly we might start reaching um for like Much bigger and better things than what we're currently achieving, which sounds a little that when I say that it sounds a little woo woo, but I I really do think that we are we often hamper ourselves by telling ourselves that we should be happy enough with what we have or that what we are achieving is good enough, Mm -hmm. and it certainly maybe like there are there are times in our lives where um, stability is more important than growth. Mm-hmm. but if we are constantly settling for nothing but stability then we never see growth. Right. And when we're talking about business, um businesses do need to see growth from time mm-hmm. to time in order mm-hmm. to really flourish.
2: Right. Right. There's that fine line though, too between mm-hmm. between stability and growth. Like, you know, being grateful and and happy yeah. with where you're at, but then also and and it's easy to slip from one side to the other. Where you're you know, neurotic because you're trying to grow so much and then yes. or you're or you're you know depressed because you're just where you're at. I yeah. mean, you know, it's kind of yeah. this weird line. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I do think that the long-term goals um need to be balanced with yeah, like short-term gratefulness yes. and okay. appreciation for what you've achieved. Absolutely.
1: Right. right. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, say you're you've got your long-term plan and you've made a a plan of, you got your long-term goal and you made a plan to get to this certain thing but then maybe you talked about changing your goal you said you change your goals a lot so how do you know when it's time to maybe readjust or change how do, do you have any signs or anything
0: yeah um so i think that for me it is um it's a gut feel thing um anytime there is a major shift external to yourself Hey, big world event, global pandemic, that shifted a lot of people's goals in a significant Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. My goals used to be travel oriented, that Mm -hmm. had to stop. Um, You know, other people, um, it's more about like milestones, you know, goals are, Mm -hmm. for example, people who have young kids at home, right? Right now, stability might be more important for you than growth. But yeah. when your kids leave home and they go to college, and you suddenly have so much more time on your hands, at that point, that's an obvious moment to, to you know take stock and and reconsider your goals and start to prioritize your business again. Um, it's you know perfectly reasonable uh, for, to only. Be able to be a writer part time. There's like, I mean, there are lots of people who are part time writers for their entire lives. There's nothing wrong with that. But the, but at the moment when we shift from shift how much time we have for this career, um, is often a, a, that's the moment to to take stock again and mm-hmm. and re, reassess your goals. Sometimes um, it can also be about a shift in the market. Mm-hmm. So um, we talked a little bit about my alter ego. The last time, I don't know, 2016 or 2017, when I saw people writing um, short Insta love books uh, taking off, just didn't trigger any excitement in me. Like I enjoyed reading them, Mm -hmm. um, but like they didn't spark any ideas for my own. And then the market shifted. Uh, for those who read romance, um, you know, there's always like this, like what's, what's super hot right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was shifters and then it was like stepbrothers and Mm -hmm. now it's reverse harem or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, you know what? I think I mentioned this last time, actually. There's a, there's a a sports ball reference um, that I can't remember. The guy who owns a Dallas sports team, Mark Cuban Cuban. says, Mm -hmm. know when you're riding a bull market, that Mm -hmm. one of his top three pieces of business business advice is know when you're riding a bull market. And um, sometimes we will see a market shift swing into view that aligns with a a goal that we didn't know that we had, right? Mm -hmm. So a market, like, let's say you're, you're writing small town romance and suddenly shifters become so popular. And you're like, "Ah, I have two shifter books in the trunk. And you get really Mm -hmm. excited about that. Right. So market shifts can definitely be a moment when you're like, hang on a second, we're going to reassess all of our goals. We're going to like, how can I fit this in? Anytime Mm -hmm. you have that like swell of excitement, but, but it's important to differentiate. Between um, grabbing the bull by the horns, so to speak, <laughs> and riding a bull market um, and and making the mistake of thinking, oh, this bull market could be a part of a five-year plan because they never last five years, mm-hmm. so, right? So right. it's important that, um, that we don't lose sight of the five-year plan that we had before this excitement happened mm-hmm. and making sure that... Like absolutely, you know, be nimble and 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 shift on the spot, but but don't get carried away either. Right,
2: right, right. That's great. That's that's really great. Because yeah, I mean, there are things that have changed just in the last year, well, mm-hmm. year and a half with TikTok, you know. Yeah. It's it's really changed readers' habits in a lot of mm-hmm. way. And I'm not part of that group in that is getting all the attention because. Right while my books have sex on the page, they're not those super, super steamy books and they're not dark, which they really love on TikTok.
0: They do. Although I think also that TikTok is a great example of uh, a market force that is constantly shifting. Like absolutely (laughs) every single week, Mm -hmm. what somebody says to be true about TikTok, I'm like, I mean, that's true right now, but it might it might change. One of the, and this is a bit of an aside, one of the wildest things that I have observed about TikTok um, is how it feels like 2013 all over again, in a good way, in a very good way. But you remember back in 2013 on Facebook, there would be these groups. Uh, One was called What to Read After Fifty Shades of Grey. And it Mm -hmm. had like 50,000 members and if you posted in that group about your romance book with the right hook Mm -hmm. it soared up the charts right TikTok is having the same energy and it's revealing a bunch of interesting things I think kind of accidentally one of which is um, I really think that Facebook well, we already knew this, right? We knew that Facebook, um, that the numbers that we would see, for example, like on video plays, right? Mm -hmm. You could post a Facebook video to your page and you could get a couple thousand views on it Mm -hmm. and it would not move the needle at all. And there there were all sorts of rumors that Facebook's data can't be trusted and who knows, but it felt so stagnant like mm-hmm. I'm putting I'm, I'm doing all this social media stuff and it's not working so then you know we, we we all started to say well social media doesn't really sell books right well TikTok has definitely proved that to not be true exactly but exactly. how it's selling books is not it's not necessarily like the best videos or even the type of book mm-hmm. it is about tapping into an underserved market mm-hmm. that didn't there are so many people on TikTok who do not yet read books in digital form I know So my alter ego yeah my alter ego uh which like from you know how I talked about it already in this podcast is Kindle Unlimited Insta love short smutty reads right mm-hmm. for for us for everybody inside the publishing space um that's a digital product right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have multiple people commenting. I've ordered the book. It'll be here on Friday. Oh, you tease. I can't read it until it arrives on Friday. Oh, Oh, I can't read. I'm so happy that I found you. I can't wait to start reading this book when the paperback arrives. And I'm like, it's right there on your phone. Like the second, (laughs) (laughs) which is so (laughs) easy. Yeah. It would be so easy, but they're not there yet, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm not talking about, like, I'm not selling, like, 100 paperbacks a day, Mm -mm. but it is a Mm -mm. visible difference. Mine, too.
2: Mine, too. Mm -hmm. It's
0: remarkable. It's remarkable. So we are going to see that market mature in the Mm -hmm. same way that the Facebook market matured from 2012 through to 2015. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether it's going to take the same duration of time. It might be six months instead of three years. Right. But, you know, at some point in the not-too-distant future, TikTok will drive ebook sales even more than it is now. Like th- right. that's only going to grow as those paperback readers realize that for the price of one paperback or uh, they could get four ebooks, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, we're going to yeah. just see that so they, they are going to be reading more books and then it's going to, and then that market's going to mature. Mm-hmm. And so again, knowing you're writing a bull market, you cannot, TikTok cannot be, you can't at this moment, pivot and put all your eggs in the TikTok basket. No. No. Well, I mean you can, but it's risky, right? Yeah, you yeah. still need to have that like solid 5-year plan. 5 mm-hmm. years from now, what do you want to have written? Right. Don't let the excitement of TikTok <laughs> drive you off course from that, right? Right. And yeah, right. that's more for myself than <laughs> Yeah, I know I me. Mean, thank you for
2: saying
1: that. I don't know who is, needs to hear this today, but, but
2: it, it is exciting because, you know, I mean, I I have a couple of, well, I have one video that, you know, my first one has over 200,000 views, but it was, and it was a book view, but it wasn't, it's just different. It was a, yeah. it was a duet to someone else who had a large following. So that was weird, but I have a few, you know, that have over 10,000 views. I've, I'm almost at 10,000 followers, but if I get a video that has even a thousand views, I'll see, I'll see an increase, in especially paperback sales, but I will see a rank improvement. And it's just amazing. It's just so funny, but you have to be persistent in that. And you have to decide how much time is, is this worth? Because yeah. Yeah. For your five-year plan, the amount, the time you spend on TikTok right now is probably not going to Right, move the needle on that that much. Right. This is the, almost an instant gratification sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's fun, but it's an yeah. instant gratification. Yeah, <gasps> sorry, y'all. Gonna-
1: so, quick question about the goals: Are your like five year goals? Are they more to do with like the books you will write versus social media type things? Or, I mean, do you kind of separate it mentally like that? So, social
0: media? my first. My first, my very first five-year goal, the first time that I did this exercise um, was after I was laid off. So I had been published for 11 months and my position was eliminated and I was packaged out of my job. And I had this opportunity um, to try and write full-time. So suddenly the goal crystallized, you know, I definitely knew, all right, I have um, you know ten months of severance. I want to, in that time, get myself up to making full time income. And I, you know, anybody who's run a small business knows it's not just like replacing your salary at a day job, but like you want it kind of another thirty percent on top of that, Mm -hmm. so that you can save for rainy days. And then there are business expenses, and you don't have benefits and stuff like that. So I set a goal for myself of making ten thousand dollars a month. And for a long time, for almost the next five years, um, that remained my long-term goal. So I had a long-term income goal of income stability. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one of the things that I talk about in Romance Your Goals is that in 2017. So actually, it was just four years. It was so it, that was my five-year goal for four years, <laughs> and then um, at the end of the fourth year of that plan, my family had a health crisis. My husband um, is in the military, and he was diagnosed with PTSD, and mm-hmm. everything just stopped. Um, mm-hmm. Writing stopped. Um, him working stopped, and my and my day to day became like who has a therapy appointment today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like, it's very hard to care about income when you're in that situation. Sure. Um, and so, at, like, since that point, that, like, my my income goal or income has stopped being a goal. Um, so, there was kind of, like, an interim period there where it was, like, okay, just make enough to, like, cover bills. Mm-hmm. Um, like, don't eat into savings became mm-hmm. a goal. So, like, you know, how can I start to goose um backlist more um maximize backlist was a goal for probably about a year um everything in my business everything every business decision i made between 20 like the basically all of 2018 was am i maximize the big question that i asked myself the kind of um if anyone has ever done like a mission vision statement you can you could have like a kind of a touchstone question that determines is, am I on the right track or not? Mm-hmm. And so for 2018, my touchstone question was, um, am I maximizing my backlist? And that got me through without caring about numbers, because mm-hmm. if you, for me, um, if if I set a, an income goal and I consistently don't meet it, that's demoralizing, right? I don't want goals that are so hard, so lofty that I can't meet them. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have like, you know, like hard to reach goals, but then I have like, like stepping stone goals and I want to be able to meet those stepping stone goals. Right. So now my long-term, so, so I went from focusing on long-term goals to focusing on the, more of those stepping stone goals Mm -hmm. of like, am I maximizing my backlist? That is within my control. Right. Um, um, and then, um. In 2020, it, I shifted again to a longer term goal. So now my longer term goal is um, about more estate planning. Mm-hmm. Um, my income stabilized at a, at a place that I'm comfortable with. And so now it's more about okay, like when I retire. I want to have a second property. I want my house and my that second property to be paid off. Um, I joke in the book; it's a bit of hyperbole. But my new goal is: I want a private island, mm-hmm. and <laughs> which is like, and that comes from Ram, right? That comes from being honest in a safe space where I can talk about income freely. Mm-hmm. Of um, previously, my goals were about like being securely in that middle-class income range mm-hmm. or upper middle-class income, depending on where you live. Um, but that, but when that was rocked, I realized actually I have loftier ambitions for that, that they're less about month to month income stability mm-hmm. and more about how do I shake myself out of plateaus and, and jump up to the next level. Mm-hmm. And some of that is, is, so big that it's kind of hard to encapsulate in a five-year plan so like the five-year plan becomes like let's joke I want a private island (laughs) um but it's really a second property it's about building um in a state of its its stability but on like a much larger level right so that's that's how I kind of think about my own personal goals Mm -hmm. um someone else might be oriented to number of books that they put out right they might find so if you're stability oriented you might um care about that the other thing that I talk about in the book is understanding your goal profile um so somebody for example who cares deeply about being um being recognized as an outlier or like um a bestseller but like I don't mean actually a bestseller I mean like bestsellers of the best sellers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There is no point in, in me kind of detailing my stability, income oriented goals for them and being like, Hey, want to try this on? Because it will not have any value to them because mm-hmm. all they, like they, they, you know, somebody who wants to be an outlier will keep working on like a day job. For a very long time, will they quietly work on finding the right agent to pitch the right book to the right editor at the right time, and after Mm -hmm. 20 years, have a book that lives on the New York Times list for 10 months, right? Right. That is a completely different goal profile to what I want. Mm -hmm. So it's like, goals are not universal. They Mm -hmm. are really unique to kind of where you see yourself and what you want to have written.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's helpful to see kind of to to give examples. That's really helpful to say it could be this, could be this Mm -hmm. like that.
2: And in a way, you almost have to put blinders on Mm -hmm. to set your goals because you can let, which I have before, other people's success. I mean it can motivate you but you should not chase it because you're different and your life is different than their life your you know your experiences and and where you're at in your life um cool. and I think I've made that mistake before where you know I I've, have too yeah I've set yeah. my goals based on what everyone else was doing instead of what really I want and yeah. Uh,
0: so yeah and often um we don't know when when most of our connections are through the internet, we do not ever know just how many different factors there Mm -hmm. are. Um, We can look at somebody and think, well, they write the same thing that I write. Mm -hmm. They release the same number of books a year that I write. We seem to have similar readerships. Mm -hmm. So I should do what they're doing. But at our core, we could want very different things out of this career. Right. Um, they might be doing that as a stepping stone to get somewhere else, whereas right. this could be my end goal. They could have been doing, um, they, like, for example, no one who is writing Insta Love should compare what they are doing To what my alter ego is doing, because they don't know that my alter ego is also Zoe York on the back end. Mm -hmm. Of course, my launch is going to look different. Of course, I'm going to have a slick email game because Mm -hmm. I've done it before. You know, so many, we don't, you don't know what's behind the name. Right. And um, that can be frustrating. Mm -hmm. But also, at some point, you might want to benefit from the from the secrecy <laughs> of a name yeah, too. Yeah, so just yeah. like always, always assume that there are more factors you can't see. Right, it's that well, iceberg and, thing, right?
2: Right, and yeah. one thing just for me is age. You know, I'm 58. Yeah. I don't, you know, c- comparing myself to someone in their late 30s, early 40s is that's not fair because my goals right. and their goals are two, two different things. So. Uh, yeah. just keeping things like that in mind, I think yeah, it helps.
0: Totally. I mean, every every parent of a young toddler who is like, yeah. I can only work two hours a day. Oh, honey, like no one's comparing you to anybody. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's
1: impressive if you can get two hours yeah, a day. Exactly. With a yes. <laughs> <Very>.
0: exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. Well,
2: you're great at out of the box marketing ideas too, Zoe, and you have your Facebook group and it's Zoe bub you did not yep. name that someone else named it Zoe bub can, <laughs> yeah. can you talk about that and maybe some other outside the box ideas that you've had or you've yeah tried work tried didn't work kind of thing
0: yeah so the Zoe bub is another uh project that I give in romance your goals as a case study mm-hmm. um I think that the most important thing to mention about Bob, and it's the focus of the case study in the book is that it started like a lot of things that I do. It started in, um, in a really inauspicious way. Mm-hmm. Um, numbers were very slow to build for a very long time. We've been doing this, um, free blast since December, 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the fact that it is that we've been doing it for so long, um, is why it is so big now. So Mm -hmm. four times a year, I organize this free blast. Um, if any, you know, if anyone is listening, it's like, how do I get in on that for logistical reasons? Um, I just it's a private Facebook group. Any romance author is welcome to join romance or romance adjacent. We also have like cozy mystery authors, for example, who have like romantic elements in their books. Um, anyone is welcome to join. You just have to know somebody who, who doesn't. So pay attention. The website is romancebookworms.com. Pay attention when we do one. And if you recognize one of the authors in the promo, ask them to invite you to the group. Um, also, anyone is welcome to take the idea and duplicate it. It's not actually an original idea i think that most of my quote unquote out of the box ideas are just ones that i've seen other people do and i yeah. retain it we were yeah. talking about <laughs> clifton strengths before we started and um, i'm number 3 input number 1 ideation so i like Hoover up all the marketing <laughs> ideas i see out there put them into like an idea tumbler and spit out variations of them some of them take off some of them do not um, yeah. but the But the biggest takeaway I have from doing this, which is I used to just call the free blast and the Facebook group for it was called the Romance Cross Promotion Working Group. Which no (laughs) one could ever find. (laughs) (laughs) So then someone started calling it Zoe Bob. And so I renamed the Facebook group to Zoe Bob. But you can't find it as Zoe Bob either because it's hidden. Because Facebook will suggest it to random people. And I'm like, no, Facebook, don't suggest it to random people yeah so you need an invite to get in, not because I'm trying to be cliquey. um there are a thousand people in the group, and you know probably three or four hundred of them participate each time now. The principle is um we all have a mailing list, we all have free books, and so every so often, not too often if we all put those free books on one landing page and share that one landing page to our lists on the same day, Mm -hmm. we can get collective lift, right? And collective lift is such a valuable promotional tool and it's free. Um, we now are on, I have, I, I moved the website to, um, Squarespace hosting. So, it's not technically free anymore. Um, I put out a collection plate. I asked people to donate $2 each and people enjoy it enough that that got us enough money to um, host for two years. Mm -hmm. So like, it's technically, I do ask for a donation every so often, but like a very, very small one. And for a long time, I just hosted it on my own, my, my, my shared hosting account. Um, I get a lot out of it um, for, you know, that's why I, I host it. I think that if you're going to do something like that, like a cross promotional event, that it could be anything. You know, it's it's a similar concept to like the idea of the the book funnel promotions that a lot of people do. Um, if you post something, it should be it it should be something that everybody gets value out of that the participants get value out of, that the people that you're marketing to get real value out of. Um, And if everyone gets value out of it, there will be a natural enthusiasm that propels the event forward and makes you want to do it again. And just like my principle of series 2.0, the iteration of an event, like I say in the book, this event only had, I think it was 38 authors. The first time we did it, which was boxing day, uh, 2014, and it only had like yeah 38, 40, 45, 50 people all the way through 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we were up to 100 participants in 2016, and it was only in 2017 or 2018 that it re- that the numbers really started to go up in a more than linear way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple like a year ago, two years ago, we we had a big jump, and then another jump, and now now it's growing faster. So some of the things that have um that I have done to uh, refine it is I mean the first 4 years that we did it it was literally a randomized list of free romance mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. No genre categorization, <laughs> yeah. nothing like that. No keywords um and now I break it down by category just because yeah. there's so many inside each category that that makes sense. Um but that kind of like I guess the the big takeaway there is if you have an idea and you do it and it's only okay do it again yeah and then do it again stick mm-hmm. with it see mm-hmm. it through if we abandon ideas too soon that we never see them through mm-hmm. to the point of oh this is a significant thing right? right right yeah um do I have other out of the box ideas i don't know this <laughs> <laughs> probably like i'm really okay here's one that i'm i'm really enjoying on tiktok um, so I'm on TikTok, like Jamie's on TikTok. I've been on TikTok um, since the start of the pandemic as Zoe York. Um, I had two videos that kind of did really well. Neither were about books. One was about bra sizes, like how to accurately measure your bra size. And the other was about um, reusing Amazon mailers. So, you know, those white oh, yeah. Amazon mailers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah. use nail polish remover to take off the Amazon, blue mm-hmm. Amazon printing. And then you've got uh, a white mailer. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Uh, neither of those sold any books, obviously. <laughs> so I have this TikTok account that um, has, yeah, thousands of subscribers or followers uh, that doesn't really, it's me. It, it is my brand. It represents my band. I get engagement, blah, blah, blah. It's not selling any books. Mm-hmm. So I start to see other people who, not authors, just like, well, I mean, they are authors, but the accounts don't look like authors. They, mm-hmm. they say things like steamy book talk and hot, spicy reads. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to do one of those about the type of books that my alter ego writes. And well, okay, long story short, now I have six TikTok accounts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they don't take me any more time, actually, than maintaining one. Because you're not... I'm not like reinventing the wheel each time. It's a refinement of an idea. Mm -hmm. So I think that if I think that my out of the box idea that I would suggest to listeners is watch what other people are doing and do not be afraid to copy. Don't be afraid Mm -hmm. to copy my idea for, you know, the, the free book blast. Don't be afraid to copy, you know, in your own way. Like take it and make it your own, but don't be afraid to copy what you see people doing on TikTok. Don't be afraid to, um, I don't know I don't, I don't know, series construction. You know, yes. like I think mm-hmm. so many people just spend too much time going, I must come up with a unique and original idea. I <laughs> promise you, I don't do that. I don't ever <laughs> do that. Everything that I do is to riff off someone else. Yeah. And the more you riff it, the better it will be. So too often we we riff a little bit, try to like just make an exact copy and it comes across as derivative and flat. We right. don't want to be derivative and flat. We want to take an idea and really riff on it and improve it and make it our own. And yeah. that's when, and then someone will be like, I saw you doing this thing. It's amazing. It's so unique. No, no, no. No. 100%. <laughs> That's very yeah, true, though.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's super true. Like I saw somebody on TikTok. She's like, "You may be from the South if you hear people say something." I can't remember. Yeah. And while I am from Texas, that's not the South. And so I did one that said, "You may be from Texas if you hear someone yeah. say that boys is tit- useless." It's tits on a boar hog. And but I credited her because yes. she. That's the idea I saw first, and that that video got lots of responses and lots of comments about other things they, people say,
0: you know, or whatever. Yeah. And never, yeah. I mean, crediting somebody for an idea that sparked something new for you. Yeah. That's just lovely. That's kindness. Like definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Credit wherever possible.
2: Yeah, exactly. But the, the whole point being that I wasn't really selling books. I did say if for this and other colorful Texasisms, check out my books, but right. it wasn't like, lo- I was just doing something funny. And so I think that Taking those things that you see either on TikTok or Instagram or wherever, and may, and refining them to you and your personality. Mm -hmm. That's another thing um, is, is really smart. So this has been great. Thank you for talking to us. We just have loved it. Uh, Can you tell people where they can find you and your books? And
0: yep. So my nonfiction books are at Mm romanceyourbrand.com. My fiction books are at zoeyork.com, ainsleybooth.com and (laughs) 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 secretalterego.com.
1: But you better run out and get that one right now. Yeah. Uh, that URL. <laughs>
0: um, and also I'm I'm at Zoe York writes everywhere except on on uh TikTok. I'm author Zoe York. I actually do have the Zoe York writes at TikTok, but like I heard a rumor that you should have author in your name instead of rights. And so I changed it and then I can't change it back for 30 days. <laughs> it's a whole thing. But okay. on social media, I am at Zoe York writes Okay, oh, awesome. Good.
1: Well, we will have all those links and we'll have links to some of the books that we mentioned earlier and the previous podcast you were on and anything else I can find a link to, we'll throw it in there. And that will be at com, or no, just com. And thanks to Alex Larberg for editing and producing the podcast and to Adriel for doing the admin and we'll see everybody next week. Bye, Bye. everyone.